And now we take you to Evangel Assembly of God in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. One of the greatest gifts God has given all of us is the power of choice. You know, we live and we die by our choices. In other words, we're blessed and we're cursed by the choices that we make. If you don't like where your life is today, then ask yourself, what choices have I made that have gotten me where I am and make some necessary adjustments? Now, last week we talked about how Hannah, the mother of Samuel, learned to pray through her pain. And she's gone down in history not just as a woman who prayed through her pain, but she's gone down in history not just because she's the mother of Samuel, the greatest prophet other than Moses in the Old Testament. She's gone down in history as a woman of distinction because before she could conceive a child, she prayed through her pain and she said, God, if you will give me a male child, if you'll just let me conceive this little boy, I'm going to give him to you all the days of his life. In fact, God, I'm not even going to raise this little boy. I am going to give him to the priest and he's going to be raised in the house of the Lord. And 1 Samuel chapter 1 verse 24 tells us about this story it says after he was weaned i don't know how old is a is a child when they're weaned just depends as two three four maybe even five years of age i don't know if they're that old or not but after he was weaned she took the boy with her young as he was along with a three-year-old bull an ephah flower and a skin of wine and brought him to the house of lord at shiloh And when the bull had been sacrificed, they brought the boy to Eli, and she said to him, Pardon me, my Lord, as surely as you live, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I ask of him. So now I give him to the Lord for his whole life. He will be given over to the Lord, and they worshiped the Lord there. Now we on a regular basis, dedicate children to the Lord, don't we? We say, this mom and daddy are bringing this new little born, this new, this new, newborn to you, or this, or they may be a little older, but Lord, today we dedicate this child to you. We're asking for you to, to watch over this child. We're asking you to give the parents wisdom. We're asking you to help them. But this was a lot more than just dedicating your child to God. In fact, Paul and Terry, would you help me just a minute? And Zach, would you come up here and play the role of the priest Eli? Now, you're, 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 you're a little older than Eli was. I understand that. But now, Paul and Terry have got Sophie with them, Sophie Grace. And Sophie Grace is four months old. She's four months old. So she's not as old as, as Samuel was. But uh, you guys love her, right? She's changed your life, huh? Other, other, than, other than just not depriving you of sleep. I mean, you, you love her. So uh, how, how comfortable are you guys going to be if you're in the role of Hannah that you're going to turn Sophie over to a preacher and his wife to raise? How do you feel about that? There's an exit, okay? You wouldn't do it. Well, let's just, just, just for a purpose, just show everybody what Hannah must have done. When she brought, now he was a little older than she is, but 
Here's Eli the priest. Who holds a changes a. I got it. I got it. Wow. She's a little heavy, isn't she? That's a little heavy there. This is what happened. And then they walked away. Are you going to walk away? No, they're not going to walk away. Well, guess what? I think your wife's going to give you a baby real soon here, isn't she? That's right. Here, you can give her back to them. But guys, that's what was going on. I mean, they literally, she gave her child to Eli to raise and she lived some distance away from there. In fact, let's continue the story. Chapter 2, verse 19. It says, Each year his mother made him a little robe and took it to him when she went up with her husband to offer the annual sacrifice. Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife, saying, May the Lord give you children by this woman to take the place of the one she prayed for and gave to the Lord. Then they would go home, and the Lord was gracious to Hannah, and she gave birth to three sons and to two daughters. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. You know, I read that and I think, what a woman that she could give away her firstborn to God to be used by him. But you see, again, you got to remember, God knew that the sons of Eli could not succeed him because they were very wicked and evil people and they couldn't lead the nation of Israel and he would need a special man of God who would transition Israel from being a theocracy to being a monarchy. He would need a special man of God who would say, Saul, you're the man to be the first king. And if he didn't work out, if he was not obedient to the Lord, God knew he would need a special man who would go to Jesse's house and be humble enough to anoint a 16-year-old freckle-faced red-haired boy named David to be the king of Israel. So this morning, I want to share with you six things that the Bible tells us about giving and talk about how it relates to our lives. Number one, giving honors God. Would you say that with me? Giving honors God. Some of you are saying, Terrell, what what do you mean? How does giving honor God? Well, in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, it says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all of your crops, then your barns will be filled overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. See, when we give, we're honoring God because God is a giver. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but should have everlasting life. God's very nature is that of a giver. And one of the ways that you honor somebody else is by imitating them. When I was a kid, my dad would come home from work and he loved to change his clothes and go out and work in the yard. And I remember him taking off his wingtip 
shoes. And I was just a little guy. And he would take off his shoes. And I would go in there and I would put on his shoes. And I couldn't walk in them, but I would stumble. I would shuffle all across the house wearing his shoes because I love my daddy. And see, again, imitation is one of the most sincere forms of flattery. It's one of the ways that we honor other people. Because think about this, when we give, you are literally acting like God. But when you are stingy, you're failing to honor God. Read again Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10 aloud with me. Come on, aloud and loud, everybody. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. That means you're going to get good interest rates on your investments. Amen? That means that the Holy Spirit will show you which investments to make. Number two. Giving is about trust. Giving is about trust. In fact, as you read the Old Testament, God had a lot to say to the children of Israel about giving. In fact, there were six very specific kinds of giving they were to be engaged in. They were to be in, engaged, first of all, in the first fruit offerings. That's the first harvest. They, they, they Again, they, they were farmers. They lived in an agricultural society. So when the crops started coming up, they got excited. But God said, I want you to give the first fruits, the first harvest to me. And so here your crops are coming in. Instead of you taking those crops to market and selling them, instead of you taking that first fruit, that first harvest and putting it in your barns, you instead would take it to the house of the Lord. You take it to the local church because God says, I want there to be meat. I want there to be supply in my house. Now he says, I want you to try me in this or trust me in this and see if I'll not give you more subsequent harvest. You see, it takes faith when you take your first harvest. You don't know if you're going to get another harvest. You don't know if there's going to be a drought. You don't know if there's going to be a, a, a adverse conditions. You don't know if the bull weevils are going to come along. You don't know what's going to happen. But God says, I'm going to rebuke the devourer for your sakes. So first, there's the offering that's called the first fruits offering. And, se- and secondly, there's something called the, the firstborn offering. You read of this in Exodus over 13 times. God references the firstborn offering. And God said, the firstborn belongs to me of man and of animal. Now you didn't sacrifice. God's not into human sacrifice. I mean, he sacrificed himself. He sacrificed his son on the cross for our sins. But we were, he redeemed, see the Hebrews were to redeem the firstborn child. The firstborn son was to be redeemed by an animal. They were to redeem a donkey. They were to redeem camels as well, but that they would redeem it, say, with a, with, with, with an oxen. Now, here's the deal. That firstborn belongs to the Lord. And the reason God said the firstborn belongs to me is because if your heifer has a little calf, you're going to be excited because it's the first time Sally the cow has had a, has had a calf, right? If your name's Sally, I didn't mean to offend you. Elsie, no, I'm not going to say that either. I'll, that's somebody's name. Anyway, anyway, the cow just had a calf. You all with me? So the cows had a calf. You don't know how many more calves she's going to have. You don't know how her health is going to be. And oh, you're so excited about this calf. But God says, I want you to bring that calf 
to me. See, giving is about trust. Not only was the, were, the, were the Hebrews told about giving first fruits and firstborn offerings, but they were also told to give regular sacrifices throughout the year. And then they were told to bring their tithes. In other words, they were told to bring the money that they made. If they sold a piece of land or if they, if they sold a commodity or maybe they had subsequent crops and so they took their crops to market and they got paid for it, then they were to bring a tithe. The tithe means 10%. They were to bring the first 10% percent and the bible says this about the tithe it says the tithe belongs to the lord when i worship god with my tithe i'm not really giving him anything that's not his i'm paying him what is already is the tithe belongs to him okay and so they brought the tithe and that represents hey god i'm trusting you god i'm believing you to bless the 90 percent that i don't have hallelujah or that i do have not only did they bring their tithes, but they also brought special offerings throughout the year. And then they were giving to the poor, to those who were truly in need. And, and there is one major reason for God's instructions about giving throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. And the reason is God wants you and me to trust him because God is looking at your heart. He's asking, is this a man? Is this a woman whom I can trust? See, we're struggling over here wondering, can I trust God? And God's wondering, can I trust Him? Can I trust Her? See, giving is never really about giving. Giving is about trust. When Hannah gave Samuel to God all the days of his life, folks, that was real trust in action. Somebody say, hallelujah. Now, we find another story in the Old Testament. It's about giving and trust. It's in 1 Kings chapter 17. We'll begin reading at verse 7. It says, Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. You see, Israel and all the surrounding nations are having a terrible drought. And God tells Elijah, he says, Elijah, I want you to leave the borders of Israel. He, Elijah's been living by a brook called Cherith, and God has been supernaturally taking care of him. But God says, I want you to leave the borders of Israel, go up to modern-day Lebanon. It wasn't called Lebanon back then. But go up to modern-day Lebanon, and on the, on the sea, on the Mediterranean Sea, there is a village there called Zarephath. And, and, and so read with me, verse 8. Then the word of the Lord came to him, to Elijah, says, Go at once to Zarephath in the region of, region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. And when he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and he asked, would you please bring me a little water in a jar so that I may have a drink? And as she was going to get it, he called and bring me please a piece of bread. Here, here we're we're reading about a, a single mom. How many of you know some single mothers? How many of you know things get economically difficult for single moms? This lady had her back to the wall financially. There's a, there's, this drought has gone on for over three years. There's no crops. People are starving to death. And here, this man of God says, would you, I know you don't have much, but would you please make me some food first? 
Now, why did he do that? I, I want to suggest to you that he did it in obedience to God, and she provided for him in obedience, and God supplied her need. Here's our third point. Giving is about obedience to God, and I suspect that God's instructions offended Elijah and challenged his heart. You say, what do you mean? How many realize it would have been a whole lot easier for Elijah the preacher to be sent to a millionaire than to be sent to a widow woman? It would have been a whole lot easier. If I was Elijah, I would rather have been sent to a rich person who could bless me out of their excess rather than to be sent to a widow woman who had her back to the wall. But you see, many years earlier, Elijah had surrendered his will to God. And he says, God, it's not about me, but it's about you. And I'm not going to try to figure everything out. Folks, if you live up here in the theater of your mind. See, the Bible says Jesus was crucified at a place called Calvary. It was a skull-shaped hill. And you know what? Most of us need to be crucified in the skull, don't we? We need to be crucified up here. See, we've got to get the mind of Christ because it doesn't make sense. Your natural mind will fight you with some of the things that the Holy Spirit might ask you to do. You've got to humble your heart. Elijah had to humble his heart and go to see that widow woman and ask her. He knew that she was poor. He knew that she didn't have too much. And he asked her to take care of him first. I mean, wouldn't the media love to get hold of that today? Preacher takes widow woman's last bread. They'd love that. But this man humbles his heart. Look at verse 10. So he went to Zarephath. And when he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? And she was going to get it. And he called and said, bring me please a piece of bread. And as surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, do not be afraid. He said, go home and do as you said, but first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. Folks, I'm going to tell you number four, giving requires us to resist fear. Fear is a strong, strong emotion. In fact, in English, we have a word that, that denotes strong, strong fear. Fear that turns into dread and horror of something. And that word is phobia. And phobia comes from the Greek word phobos. And phobos means literally to be so afraid that you run away from something. Have you ever been so afraid that everything inside you just said, run, get out of here. That's where this little lady was. Everything inside her was saying, I know the Holy Spirit's prepared your heart and told you that a man of God was coming. But now he's asking for your food. And you don't have but just one meal left for you and your son. Run. 
Get out of here. And he says, do not be afraid, dear ones. I want you to know fear can be a very, very strong emotion. Fear can make you miserable. She had to overcome the fear of starvation, the fear of her needs not being met, the fear of life not going forward the way she had planned for it to. She had to overcome a lot of fears. She, In her mind, I'm sure she was struggling with this. If I cook him something to eat, then I'm not going to have enough to eat. If, if, if I cook him something to eat, then my little boy's not going to have enough to eat. Folks, everybody look at me. I want you to hear this. The only time the Bible tells us to try him in the scripture is in this matter of giving and receiving in malachi chapter 3 verses 10 through 12 god says bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this try everybody say try me now in this The only time you'll find this in the Bible is in this matter of giving and receiving. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. How many of you know God is concerned about his house? His house is this local assembly, this local church. He says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Somebody shared with me recently, said, well, I've been giving my first fruits offerings and my tithes, and they named a a ministry, and it's a good ministry. Folks, we believe in helping the poor. Last week, you gave almost $7,000 to one day to feed the world for Convoy of Hope to help feed over 150,000 children every single day. Can you say hallelujah? God is concerned about the poor, but the first fruits offerings and the tithe, they don't go to the television ministry. They don't go to the parachurch ministry. The Bible says here, it says, bring all the tithe into the storehouse so there may be food in my house. They come to the house of the Lord and he says, try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, and see if I'll not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. I will kick the devil's tail for your sake. I'm going to drop kick demons and devour. See, the devil wants to kill, steal, and destroy. And folks, I'm not exactly sure how this works, but Kathy and I have seen it time and again and again as we honor God with our tithe and with our first fruits, as we honor God with offerings, we've seen God bless that which remains the other 90%, our brains will argue with us and say, how are you going to pay this bill? And how are you going to satisfy that obligation? But we've seen God open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that there's not room enough to receive. Somebody say hallelujah. Look at this. And all nations are going to call you blessed. How many of you have people that look at you and say, boy, he is blessed. She is blessed. Come on. All nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. But let's go back to verse 13. At Elijah's directions to her, in verse 13, Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Everybody say it with me. Don't be afraid. It took me a long time to realize that there is a difference between not being afraid and experiencing the emotions of fear. 
Do you know what I'm talking about? See, the emotions of fear are things like heart palpitations and your knees getting weak and perspiration, sweat running down your back. Or some women, they don't like to sweat. My wife says I, she glistens. She doesn't sweat. Glistening down your back. Getting butterflies in your stomach. And every time Kathy and I have moved out to do something we've never done before because we felt like the Holy Spirit was telling us to do it, we've always had the emotions of fear. In fact, it was like the emotions of fear would slap us in the face. And I used to mistakenly think that experiencing the emotions of fear were the same thing as being afraid. But I'm telling you, you can experience the emotions of fear, but still go forward and do what you're supposed to do. And you are not giving place to fear. I used to think that there were some people that experienced fear and panic attacks And some people who didn't, everybody look at me. Every person who's ever lived has experienced fear because we live in a fallen world where Satan is the God, small g, of this world. And fear comes to everybody. Now, some people experience fear, but they keep on going ahead. They're saying, I'm not going to allow this fear to direct my situation or my destiny. I'm going forward anyway, and they enjoy success. And some people start to go forward, and they experience fear, and they start backing up. They start getting nervous, and they never fulfill God's call on their life. You see, over 355 times in the Bible, the Bible says, do not fear, be not afraid. Every person in the scriptures who was used of God to do anything, I believe they had to do it while they were experiencing those emotions of fear. I love to read in 1 Samuel how David got on the battlefield with Goliath. But I think if truth be told, when David got on that battlefield and he looked at that great big giant, I believe that his knees began to knock a little bit. I believe that he had some sweat running down his spine. I believe he got some butterflies in his stomach. I believe everything inside him, if he had listened to his emotions, again, emotions make great servants, but they make a horrible master. If he had let his emotions be his master, he would have turned tail and run. But he says, no, my God is greater than this circumstance. My God is greater than what I'm going through. This may not be fun, but in the name of Jesus, I'm going to prevail and the bible says that david took a a stone and he put it in a sling and he began to swing it and he says you come against me with a sword a spear and a javelin but i come against you in the name of the lord of hosts the god of the armies of israel whom you have defied and this day god's given you into my hand and i'm gonna cut off your head and all the earth's gonna know that the lord doesn't save with a sword or a spear or or a javelin but the lord the battle is the lord's and he's giving it to us today hallelujah here's what i'm saying the next time fear tries to ruin your day the next time fear tries to speak to you folks don't you allow a spirit of fear to draw a word picture in your heart that's contrary to god's word don't you allow don't you walk in life psalms 1 
says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. I just want to suggest to you that walking in the counsel of the ungodly is more than just me going to an ungodly person for advice. The Bible tells me not to do that. I think sometimes walking in the counsel of the ungodly is when we walk according to a spirit of fear because there have been demon spirits that have been whispering to our minds, our will, and our emotions that nothing's going to work. And so we go through life carrying a picture inside us of disaster. We walk going into life and we see a group of people and the old devil says, if you walk up there, nobody's going to talk to you. So instead, you just turn and walk the other direction because you're listening to the counsel of the ungodly. Dear ones, the devil came to kill, to steal, and to destroy, but Christ came. Jesus came that we can have life and that we can have life more abundantly. We walk in the flesh, but we don't do warfare according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. A stronghold is a thought that holds you strongly, and if you walk through life with ungodly thoughts that are holding you strongly, I'm going to tell you, the devil will take you further than you want to go. He'll hold you longer than you want to stay, and he will try to destroy your life because of what's going on between your ears but you can say no in the name of Jesus I may be experiencing this symptom and this emotion of fear my knees may be knocking right now and I may be nervous as a cat right now but I am going forward and I'm going to do what God told me to do and I'm going to be successful and God's fighting my battles because God hasn't given me a spirit of fear but a power love and a sound mind and if God be for me who can be against me and I don't care no weapon formed against me shall prosper every tongue lifted against me i shall show to be in the wrong for this is my heritage and my righteousness is from god look at me you've got to speak you've got to show those voices that are raised against you it doesn't say that no weapon formed against you will well it doesn't say there won't be any weapon raised against you but it says no weapon formed against you shall prosper there may be weapons there may be demon spirits of fear that are making you miserable Every tongue lifted against you, you shall condemn. You've got death and life in the power of your tongue. You've got to arise. Some of you, some of you, 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 you the, the devil's just working you over because of your past. Some of you, there's, there's a couple of you in here this morning, you're just miserable because of went on, what went on. In the past, and you've asked the Lord to forgive you, and He's forgiven you, but you're having trouble forgiving yourself, and that old spirit of accusation and condemnation is coming against you. But you've got to stand and say, no, 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 no. My windshield is a whole lot bigger than my rearview mirror because where I'm going is more important than where I've been. And there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus who walk not out of the flesh, but after the Spirit, because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and of death. Can you say hallelujah? Mm. In the 1950s, Jim Elliott was a young missionary and he joined with four other missionaries 
They felt called of God to reach a Stone Age tribe far back in the rainforest of Ecuador called the Aka Indians. No one had ever reached this tribe with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so they took a plane and they found a place to land it in a valley. And they had actually seen some uh, a hunting team out from this tribe that was close by. And they thought, maybe we can reach them with the gospel. Maybe we can form relationships and friendships. And some of you have read the book, Through Gates of Splendor. And you know the story that those five young men were butchered alive by the Aka Indians. They were murdered. And their wives and their children moved back to the United States. And some years later, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Elliot was praying and she felt like the Holy Spirit gave her a burden for the Aka Indian tribe that had killed her husband. And she felt the whisper of the Holy Spirit telling her to go back and to preach the gospel to the very people who had killed her husband and these other four men. And she couldn't find anybody to go with her except one other woman. And she confessed to a friend. She says, I am so afraid. She says, every time I think about going back down there, she says, I, 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 I just, just have a panic attack. And her friend looked at her and says, Elizabeth, if God has called you to reach the Aka Indians, then you're going to have to obey God. Do it even if you have to do it afraid. And there's a lot of things in this whole life, saints. Listen to me. You can, you can live life on the sidelines if you want to. The Beatles used to have a song called The Nowhere Man. If you want to be a nowhere man or a nowhere woman, that's up to you. But I don't think that's our congregation. I don't think our people, I don't think you're really a nowhere man or a nowhere woman. I think you're a man or a woman of destiny. I think you're a man or a woman who says, I'm not going to stand on the sidelines, but I'm going to lean into life. I'm going to go for all the gusto. I'm going forward and I'm believing God. Well, dear ones, there may be times that fear may try to keep you up at night. There may be times that your heart's about to beat out of your chest and the cold sweat's going down your back and your knees are knocking and your stomach's in butterflies. If you don't give place to it, you're not being afraid. Sometimes you have to do afraid even though those are your emotions. Glory to God. Look at verses 14 and 15. Elijah says, For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, The jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. Let's read that again. The jar of flour will not be used up. And the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. Somebody needs to hear this. God still has jars of flour and jugs of oil. God's still in the need meeting business. God still knows how to prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. And she went away and did as Elijah had told her, here's our fifth point today. We often give out of our need, not just from our abundance. See, when you give out of your abundance, it's because you got a lot. And you say, hey, I can give this and I won't hardly miss it. But when you give out of your need, folks, that's where faith 
comes into come into being. You know, so many times Kathy and I have have, have worshipped God with our tithes and with our offerings and 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 God has blessed us abundantly. But especially when we were younger, folks, we, we would we would write out our tithe checks and I would write it out and I would I would put it in a special place and I wrote it before I wrote and Kathy wrote it before we wrote any other bills. Because we knew that we had more bills and we had more liabilities than we had money. And we wanted to be faithful to worship God. But God has always been faithful to us. I was uh, early this morning, I was looking at these scriptures and I began thinking about a time back a long time ago. I was in graduate school at Regent University in Virginia Beach, and I'd done all of my studies, and I had one semester left. And we had spent all of our savings, and I had, my dad had helped us out financially, and we had borrowed some money, and, and, but we were just giving out. We didn't have any more money. Kathy was working, and I was working part-time, but we didn't have any more money. I needed $800 by, by, by Tuesday, to, to enroll in this last class I had and to buy some books. And we had $200 to our name, and we hadn't bought groceries, and we had other bills that were due. And I remember it was a Thursday night, and I was just laying prostrate on the floor just saying, God, what are we supposed to do? We tried to, we pay tithes, and we tried to honor you. Lord, are we missing us somewhere? And as I was praying, suddenly I thought about, I say, our local church had a, a special need going on. They had a special drive. And they were receiving offerings. And I think it was to help the poor. I can't even remember what it was about. But I do remember the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, give $100. Well, we had $200. So it was like, give half of what you got. And so I remember that Thursday night writing that check, putting it in an envelope, addressing it, putting a stamp on it, and going out and putting it in the mailbox because I didn't trust myself to wait until the next morning because I wasn't sure I would obey God the next morning and I wanted to go ahead and do it. Well, so now we had $200. Now we're down to $100. We got to go buy some food. We bought just, I don't know where we're living on, rice aroni or something. Popcorn, something. So we went and we bought some food and had to buy some gas. And I think Terry was a baby back then. We probably had to buy some baby formula. And we said, okay, Lord, what are we supposed to do now? We didn't hear a word. We didn't hear God saying anything. I read the scripture. The Holy Spirit just wasn't talking to me. How many of you know sometimes when the Holy Spirit's not talking to you, it's because you don't need to hear anything right then? That night, Friday night, I'm st- I'm, we are not out with friends. I'm, we're not watching a movie. It's, it's not pizza night. I'm, I'm back in my face. God, oh God, oh God. And God in his mercy had the phone ring and there was Dr. David Clark called me. He said, Terrell, there's a, there's a new group of people trying to launch a new church down on the waterfront in Virginia Beach. Would you be willing to preach for them Sunday morning? I said, sure. He said, now there's only 12 people. I said, that's fine. Kathy and I went down and man, I preached best I could to all 12 of those people. Do you know they took an offering that day and they gave us $500. This was, this was 1979. So Terry, you probably weren't born quite then because you were born in 1980. This was 1979. 
Did you know that that group of 12 people after church, they said, uh, they said, uh, Terrell, let us talk for just a minute. And they took about five minutes, and then they came back to me, and they said, we'd like for you to be our pastor. And we can't pay you much, but we'll pay you $500 a week. I said, $500 a week? That's $25,000 a year. Folks, that may not seem like a whole lot to you now, but I'm going to tell you something. In 1979, for a guy that's trying to get through graduate school, so I had, I had $500 in change now, and I needed $800 by Tuesday. Monday comes, we still don't have enough money. On Tuesday, when the mail came, Barry and Elfie North, some of you know Barry and Elfie, they often will come, they're real good friends of Kathy and I and mom and dad, in fact, Barry drives dad around sometimes when he preaches various places. They live in St. Augustine, they were members, they got saved while we were on staff in St. Augustine. They sent us a check, they said, we've been praying. And let me tell you this, Barry and Elfie, Barry worked repairing tractors in the field. He would, he was a tractor mechanic. So when a tractor broke it, broke down over there near Palatka, he'd go out in the field and repair it. That's how he made his money. But that wasn't enough to pay their bills. So they also had a little roadside stand where they sold vegetables and they sold fruit. And so when they made their money, they made it the hard way. They sent us a check for $500. They said, we were praying last week, and the Holy Spirit said you were going to need this. Hallelujah. 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 God doesn't always come through every Saturday night. He doesn't always come through always when I want him to or when you want him to. But David said, I've been young and now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen this seed begging bread. But dear one, somebody said, well, that's never happened to me. Well, let me ask you, how much seed are you sowing? How much are you first giving to God? It's not magic. But there's a God that sees in secret. There's a God that saw this little lady. We read about her in Luke chapter 21, verse 1. While Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. Then a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, this poor widow has given more than all the rest of them, for they have given a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she has. See, God doesn't look to see how much we give. He looks to see how much is left over after we give and he's a debtor to nobody come on norm to the keyboard and let me share with you this last this last thing we learned from the bible about giving number six when we give first we activate the miracle supply of god flowing back into our lives I want you to read Luke chapter 6, verse 38 out of the New Living Translation with me. Read it aloud and loudly. Here we go. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Folks, God is a debtor to no man. How many of you say, I've seen God again and again take care of me as I put him first? Come on, let me just see your hands. The only time he tells us to try him 
is in this matter of giving. I want you all to bow your heads and close your eyes. We're going to celebrate communion in a few minutes, but before we do that, I, 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 just, I just want to challenge you today to say, Jesus, I want to give all of myself to you. I, I give my mind, my will, my emotions, my body, soul, and spirit. God, I give you everything, and I give you my finances too. I want Jesus to be Lord of every part of my life, even my pocketbook. I want to honor God with all that is within me. I don't want to dishonor God. I want to honor Him. I want to be like you, Jesus. God, I need your grace to help me to be generous. God, I want to trust you even when my mind fights me, even when there's spirits of fear that make me want to run the other direction, God, I want to trust you. God, I don't want to be stingy and fear-filled. I want the grace to humble myself and obey your word. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. If you'd say, that's me, Pastor. I just want God to have all of me. Again, with every head bowed, every eye closed, and I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. But you say, Pastor, I just want to give all of myself to Jesus this morning. I want him to have all of me. I want you to lift your hand and leave it raised. Come on, all over this house. Just just raise your I just want Jesus to have all of me today. You're not saying he didn't have all of you yesterday. You're just saying for today. I want Jesus to have all of me. I want him to have my finances. I want him to have all of me. See, the only place we're told to try God is in this area of giving. And see if he'll not open for us the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. There's not room enough to receive in Jesus' name. Lord God, you see these hands that are raised. God, you see our hearts. You know what's going on inside us. Right now, saints, I'm going to ask you before we go to the table of the Lord, just give all of you to Jesus. Come on. Give it all. Come on, Jesus, I give you everything. Lord, I just put myself on the altar. Just like Elijah had to surrender himself to you so that he'd be humble enough to ask a widow woman to supply for him. Because God wanted to do a miracle for that lady. God knows some things that we don't know. And God's at work in ways that we can't see. Jesus, we thank you for this. Oh, God, we humble our hearts. And Jesus, we say, just take all of us. Take all of us today. Take all of us today. Thank you, Jesus. I just sense today we're to pray for somebody that's bothered with with a severe sinus headache. Who is that? You, you, You say, I've just really been suffering with this sinus headache. Who are you? Right here. Jesus. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Does it, do you have them often or often? Bless your heart. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet. I rebuke this sinus headache in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Spirit of God. Come, Holy Spirit. 
Thank you, Jesus. 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 Let me know how you're doing in just a minute, okay? Somebody else, you just, you just suffered with sinuses and maybe allergies. Maybe you haven't had the headaches, but I mean, this, the sinuses and the allergies have just been difficult for you. You're, I mean, it could be several of you in here this morning. Let me see. One, two, three. Just look around and, and lay your hands up. Somebody's got their hands up. You just, you just put your hand gently on their shoulder right now. In the name of Jesus, we rebuke sinus conditions and allergic reactions, Lord God. We speak healing and wholeness in this house. Healing and wholeness in this house. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Kathy and I are going to travel tonight up to the Washington, D.C. area, going to Gaithersburg, Maryland for a few days for a pastor's conference. And so I got up a little bit after five o'clock this morning just to try to get everything done. And I was preparing to leave and preparing for this morning. And as I was praying, I just sensed there's a, there's a single lady, there's a single young lady here in You've got a boyfriend, but something's happened, and you guys are not communicating well right now, and the, and the, the relationship's just going in a wrong direction. And I believe the Lord wants you to have peace that passes all understanding, because it has just torn you up on the inside. And God says, I want you to have peace, peace, peace. God's concerned about you. Who is that that... You say, I've had a relationship. I don't want to embarrass you. I've had a relationship and it's just not gone in the direction I wanted it to. Here, let's, let's, just, let's just agree for, oh, somebody's, yeah, bless your heart. Lord God, for Tella and for every other woman in this house, Lord, for all the single young ladies. Lord, if anybody's heart's breaking because of a relationship with some fellow that's gone south, in the name of Jesus, we speak peace. Tell I speak peace from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet. I command the tormenting power of the enemy to leave you. And I speak healing to fractured emotions and to a hurting heart in the name of Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and for every other, for every other lady in this situation, I speak peace to you. Peace, 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 peace. Peace in Jesus' name. I just sense that we're to pray for a married couple and you, you've just been struggling to have children, struggling to conceive. And I believe God wants to bless you with children. Anybody in that situation? Right back here? Okay. Lord God, I thank you. Jesus, your word says that we're to that we're to be fruitful and multiply, that we're to fill the earth and subdue it. And Lord God, I just thank you in the name of Jesus for a miracle. God, I thank you that she's going to conceive. And I pray for a full-term baby, a perfect baby in every way, a perfect child in every way. And I rebuke the enemy in Jesus' name. 
that would try to, to lie and try to kill, steal, and destroy in the name of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Spirit of God. Thank you, Jesus. There's a, there's a man here, and there may be more than one of you, but there's a man here, and you just need a job. You just need a job. You've just gotten discouraged in looking, and I believe the Lord wants to open a door for you and give you the right job. Who is that? Who, who would say, I, I, I really need a job? I'm missing somebody right over here. Thank you, Jesus. Lord God, we thank you. We thank you for this job. I thank you for this job, Lord. We receive it by faith. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else who needs to get on this, just just get your faith tentacles up. Lord, we just receive jobs all over this house. Lord God, we just receive them. We speak favor. We speak favor. We speak favor. We speak favor. I just hear this in my heart. Don't limit God. Whatever you do, don't limit God. Say, oh, I don't want that job or I don't want that. Just see what God will do. Just see what God will do. Don't limit God. Don't limit God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Spirit of God. Somebody suffered with some fairly severe stomach discomfort, just discomfort down here in your stomach area. Again, I don't want to embarrass you, but I just speak healing to you in the name of Jesus. If If you're suffering at all, in, in, in your abdominal area, just, just, just raise your hand and we'll just have somebody, just, just, just put your hand on them. There's just one, here's somebody else back here. Okay, just, 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 just put your hand on their shoulder in the name of the Lord. Anybody else? Anybody else? Right over here, just put your hand on JC's shoulder. That's right. That's it. Thank you, Carla. Right? Yeah. Anybody else? Anybody else? Lord God, we speak healing and wholeness. The Bible says that you were wounded for our transgressions, you were bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace is upon you, and by your stripes we're healed. Oh, Spirit of the living God, there's, 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 there's several of you. You're crying out to God for wisdom. You're crying out, God, what do I do about this situation? What do I do about this investment? What do I do about this family member situation? What do I do here? And I speak the wisdom of God from the crown of your head to the soles of, a, of your feet. I declare that you know the voice of the Lord and the voice of a stranger. You don't follow, that you are led by the Spirit of God. You're not led by your emotions, and you're not led led just by what seems good up to your mind, but but the Spirit of God is speaking not to your head, but the Spirit of God is speaking to your spirit, and you're hearing His voice in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and His church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope. 
where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 1030 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.